morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm in shorts. Yes. That's okay. Nothing wrong with that. I'll probably be the way the rest is up. Here after a year and a half. God looks at the other end It's comfy. Comfy. As you know, we've done this several times, and we uh, had led a sister church nearby, and they had, uh, they were still wearing uh, sport coats. And, and I arrived to show the doctors. I did that about three weeks. That was my deference to the dress code. And then I started wearing jeans. And then I got rid of shoes and started wearing sandals. And I had little people ran sound for me, and I came in. Sunday, Pastor, you're in sandals. I and I said, Yes, I am. And the person I followed wore them too. There you go. There you go. I wore shorts that summer for seven weeks and never said a word about it. And then on about the eighth Sunday, I got upset. I appreciate you being gracious and not making any comments, although I know some of you for Sunday lunch have enjoyed it. The fact that your pastor's wearing shorts. <laughs> yes, and, uh, and I said, if you weren't so cheap and would turn on the air conditioner, I wouldn't have to. That's not here. I was there, and they loved me by that point. That was a, a, a wonderful time. We uh, baptized at that church in the river and also in the sink. And somebody came up on Sunday and said, oh, we baptized. They said, well, we have a tank under here. I said, you haven't had it open in years. I'm not getting in that. They said, well, go to the river. I said, it's 35 degrees and I have a two-hour drive home. No. So anyway, but today we have water. Yes. Fabulous. So anyway, uh, let's get started. sacraments of the church. How many grew up in if you grew up in a more formal faith? You might have had seven sacraments. Yes. Uh, water baptism, communion, uh, last rites, marriage, etc. In the Protestant tradition or evangelical tradition, which we're part, it's basically two, communion and water baptism. And it's based on things that Jesus said to do. That's why they're sometimes referred to as ordinances. It sounds like a law, or, you know, we have city ordinance, don't throw trash out your window, or city ordinance, whatever it might be. Well, Jesus had some things. He said, do this in remembrance of me. What are we doing? We're being reminded that we live under a new covenant. Amen. We have a new agreement. The old deal has been fulfilled. There's a new deal. And I'm not FDR. Uh, and instructed us to remember 
his sacrificial death upon the cross, which was necessary for our salvation and for our deliverance. And uh, Chris read the verse that was in my notes, so thank you. Water baptism is a celebration of our new life in Jesus and a public declaration of the covenant you're making with God. Now, humor me, I don't know if I put this in the notes, but in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, Peter is uh, preaching to a group of people. And it says in verse 37 that his words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, and all who have been called by the name by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, which is what Jill is worried about today, uh, strongly urging all of his listeners, save yourself from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said and were baptized added to the church that day about 3,000. I think Chris and Bibi's pool might overflow if we baptize 3,000, particularly all at once. I'm going to address something right here just so that, because I know some of you will say, okay, is baptism a necessary step of salvation? And I'm going to tell you no, because, and here's why I know that, Jesus was on the cross, and next to him was a thief. And he asked for forgiveness, and what did Jesus say? Today you'll be with me in paradise. He didn't take him down, baptize him, and then put him back up. So we have biblical truth to that, okay? So why do I say that? Because some of us may have had family members or loved ones who came to know Christ very late. It might have been in their last moments of life. You say, well, they're not going to make heaven because they repented and they believed, but they weren't water baptized. I think Jesus understands that. But if we have the opportunity to act in obedience, then we want to act in obedience. So why should I be baptized in water? Here we go. Number one, water baptism is the sign and covenant seal of the new covenant. Now, I'm wearing a wedding ring. I don't know if any of you noticed that I generally have this on every week. Um, This wedding ring that I have on doesn't make me married. Which is good because the first ring I had, which I loved the look, but it broke out my finger all the time. And so I would wear it and then I would leave it on the dresser for weeks or or months at a time. I was still married. I was still married. But the ring says I'm married. And it says this to Jill. He's got his ring. She got me this comfort one in, in uh, Springfield, Missouri. And it's a comfort fit. And I love it. And I don't break out. And so I put it on. Even when we go for our daily walks, I put it on. Because I, anybody driving by, I want them to know that I'm not seeing another woman. <laughs> <laughs> My ring is uh, a visual shorthand. For the whole marriage deal, 40 years. 40 years is is represented right there. 
Okay, so it symbolizes a truth. Well, the Bible reveals God's one plan of salvation. He doesn't have a whole bunch of plans of salvation. He has one. And they've been revealed to us in multiple covenants. Are you with me? Uh, we need salvation because we're sinners. Romans 3.23. It says, all of sin and all sort of the glory of God. Who's all? Everybody. everybody. Us. Everybody. Uh, in Adam, all the way back in Genesis 3, because he sinned, we're all guilty. And we're all condemned to death. And we're all condemned to judgment. In Adam, we were all corrupted as sinners. It's called the sin nature. And remember what, what uh, God said? If eat of this tree, you will surely die. And what did Satan say? You will not die. Well, guess what? We did and we didn't. Spiritually, we died. And as a result, all of us are born with our spirit, man, that's not alive. It's brought alive in Christ. That makes sense? We're alienated from God. And we're alienated from one another. And we're alienated even within ourselves. But here's the good news. God makes and God keeps promises. A covenant. A sacrificial covenant says this. I surrender my rights and I assume responsibilities. Now, some of us have an understanding that that's marriage, for example. It's a marriage covenant. I surrender my rights. I assume my responsibilities. But many people today have a marriage contract which says, I protect my rights and I limit my responsibilities. Well, the good news is, God does not have a salvation contract with us. He has a covenant. And not only does he say, here's what I'm going to do. Here's the deal. I'm going I'm to pay both sides of the deal. The word covenant means to cut. It means there's going to be bloodshed. And in the Old Testament, we have the ritual sacrifices, blood was shed. We have the sign of circumcision, blood was shed. In the New Testament, blood was shed, but it wasn't ours. So let's just quickly look at some of those covenant signs or seals. Uh, the first one that comes to mind is in Genesis 8. It rained 40 days, 40 nights. Then they're stuck on a boat for a year. What happens when you come out? What's the first thing you're going to ask God if you spend a year cleaning up after animals? Think about it. Yeah. What are you going to say? God, please don't do that again. Aren't you? Yeah. I'm going to say that. I got two dogs, and since we live where we're living, I can't let them out in the backyard. I got to walk them. I got a green bag on this hand everywhere I go. You know what a green bag is? Yeah. Two dogs. I can't believe the amount. Two dogs. You got an artful. What are you going to say after a year? Are you ever going to do this again? And what's God say? From now on. I won't do this, and I'm going to give you a seal or a sign of the deal. Mm -hmm. What was it? The rainbow. the rainbow. That was the seal or the sign. The rainbow was the sign of God's covenant with Noah. Circumcision. 
I love the one verse that says that the cry went up around the land. I can understand why. Circumcision was a sign of God's covenant promise with Abraham. God will save you through Abraham's family. What was he going to do? Salvation was going to come through through Abraham. He was, his family and his seed were the ones that were chosen. And, oh, you're going to have a sign. It's circumcision. Mm, lovely. Uh, the sign of physical surgery, however, is a symbol of something that's more important. And that's the spiritual heart surgery that all of us are going to need if we're going to experience salvation and enjoy a relationship with God. Pastor Chris touched on the, the sign of the covenant, of the old covenant, which was the Passover meal. Think of what it symbolized. We're in a hurry. We're getting out of town. And do you realize Israel was baptized? Well, what happens in baptism? We go in the water, we come out of the water, we're naked. Israel went into the Dead Sea, they came out of the Dead Sea. They were a new people. See, God's not caught off guard with this plan. He gave us a picture. Here's what it's going to look like. So when you see the whole thing, don't be surprised because you got to see the preview. Well, what was the what was the problem with that law covenant, the old covenant? It didn't change our heart. It didn't change our heart. It just became a series of rules, which guess what? None of us could keep. And even one of the ones who probably followed rules better than anybody, Paul says, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. And then he goes on to say, oh, wretched man that I am. Who will save me from this body of death? Do you know what he's referring to? He's referring to the fact that we are chained to our old man, our sin nature. If you want the Greek, it's the sarks, the flesh. So anytime you read something that says sin nature, flesh, it's the old man. It's, this, it's who we are without regeneration of a new heart by our relationship and faith in Christ. I want you to picture this, and it will help you understand. Who will save me from this body of death? Oh, wretched man that I am. Wretched man. I am a condemned man because strapped to me is this dead carcass that is going to condemn me to death. Now, you'll say, what's the picture? Well, the picture here was one of the things that Rome did. They, they looked for cruel ways to kill people. One of the things that they would do is if I committed a crime against somebody and perhaps murdered them, they would chain me to the corpse, and that would be my sentence. And overseas at a time, putrefaction and rot and all that other stuff would happen, and diseases, and guess where they transfer to? To me. And so my death would not be immediate, but it would be a, as a result of my transgression. Are you hearing me? So if you can picture Paul saying, who will save me? This body of death. My old nature is condemning me to death. It is going to kill me. But praise be to God, he goes on to say. Amen. But praise be to God. Why? Because there's no condemnation to those that are crushed. The problem with this old covenant, it wouldn't change the heart. 
repeated sacrifices couldn't deal with it, and tablets didn't make our hearts worship God. It was never intended to. It was just intended to prepare us for something new. Jeremiah 31, it's not in your notes, but write the reference down. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I'll make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I loved them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them, not on stones. They'll be internal, not external. Do you, do you see that? And I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. Water baptism, then, is the sign of this new deal, this new covenant. And it was secured by the sacrificial death, hang on to this, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Our whole faith centers on those three words, death, burial, resurrection. In this covenant, God gives us a new heart, and he addresses man's sin, man's guilt, his condemnation, judgment, and the eternal death problem. 1 Corinthians 15, I passed on to you what was most important and what has been passed on to me. Listen to it. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried, and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. There you have the gospel. It's right there in one verse. Christ died, who did he die for? Not his own offense, but for mine. He was buried, and he was resurrected. That is our faith. Now, so as we talk about water baptism, what did Jesus have to say about it? Here's some verses for you in Mark chapter 16. And then he, which is Jesus, told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone, and anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Now, some people take this verse and say, see, it shows you have to believe and be baptized to be saved. And, and, I, and I understand it says those two things. But if you look at the rest of the verse, it says, anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. It doesn't say refuses to believe and isn't water baptized. That's right. The issue for salvation is belief. Belief leads to action. Did you hear me? What you believe leads to action. Have you ever been up in one of those skyscrapers and they have the glass floor? How many of you never go out on it? The reason you don't go out is because you believe it won't hold you. It's a, it is. Your beliefs lead your actions. I go out on it. Gingerly. I believe. Lord, forgive my unbelief. Belief leads to action. Why am I water baptized? Because I believe in Jesus Christ. And he said do it. He said it will transform my life. How do I know it will? I believe, which will lead to my 
action. In Matthew 28, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've, given all, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. And as you make disciples, what do you need to do? Baptize them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's a phrase you'll hear today. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Number two, water baptism supernaturally empowers us to know and serve Christ. Colossians chapter 2. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but aren't you grateful? Not with a physical procedure. Christ performed spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sin nature. That's that body of death that I referenced. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. So do you see the symbol? That's what needs to happen to us to be saved. Our old man needs to be, it can't be regenerated. It needs to be crucified. It needs to be taken away. And a new man needs to be brought to life. And when we place our faith in Christ who did that for us, that's what happens. We're transformed in a moment's time. Then when we obey the words of Jesus in water baptism, what are we doing? We're, we're symbolically saying to the world, I believe what Jesus did, and I believe that as I go into the water, my old man and its grip on me is broken. And as Jesus was in the grave, so I am in the water. And when Jesus came out of the grave, I will be reminded of that as I come out of the water. Jesus came out of the grave with a resurrected body. We come out of the water representing the fact that we have a new heart. Amen. Romans 6, have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live in life. I, I like to refer to some things in Scripture as a mystery. Um, kind, of, kind of use communion as a tradition. Some of you may have grown up in a tradition uh, that believed in transubstantiation or consubstantiation, which said those elements became the physical body and, and the blood of Christ. Then uh, get all the way to our spectrum of faith. All of are just symbols. I'm going to tell you, I stand somewhere in the middle. I believe there is something that God does when we are obedient and partake of those elements. I know it's cracker and juice, I get that. But I think something spiritual and supernatural happens when we in obedience participate in that. I've had encounters during communion that have transformed my life, that have changed my thinking. That wasn't done by juice and a cracker or those styrofoam things. The miracle there is you live through that. <laughs> So today as we go to the Jackson home and some of you are baptized and others stand there and you're there supporting in prayer and faith as, as you're doing that. Yes, it's a pool. And yes, they go underwater. Yes, they come out. Some will shout. Some will cry. I'm telling you, it's more than just a physical act. It's a mystery. 
And it's okay for me that God is mysterious at times. That I don't have to fully understand what he does. But what Paul describes is, don't you get it? When you are baptized in water, just like Jesus died, your sin nature is being nailed to the cross with him. How do I know it? Galatians 2.20. Not in your notes, it should have been there. That's what happens when I prepare too soon. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet the life I live is not mine, but Christ. Right? So, Galatians chapter 3 says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ, and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. Number three, water baptism purifies our conscious conscience from our life of sin. That, that's a powerful point. It's a little scary and kind of strong. But I have a verse for it. In 1 Peter it says, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. The good news there is we don't have to offer sacrifice every week. Some of us would have to get in the cattle business. Yeah. <laughs> funny right oh, there. yeah. <laughs> For sure. And raise sheep. Christ died and suffered for our sins once for all. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. So he went and preached to the spirits in prison. That's what went on in the three days. Mm. We can get into that at another time. Yeah. Went and preached to the spirits in prison. Those who disobeyed God long ago when God waited patiently while Noah was building the boat. Only eight people were saved from drowning in that flood. And that water is a picture of baptism. This now saved you. Not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience. It is effective because of the resurrection of Christ. Now Christ has gone to heaven. He is seated in a place of honor next to God and all the angels and authorities and powers except his authority. Do you see that phrase there? Response to God from a clean conscience. Water baptism gives us confidence in our relationship with the Lord. Hopefully I changed that to point four. My notes, I have point three twice. Yeah. We obey the first commandment of the Lord as new believers when we're baptized. We do. We're saying, I believe God, something changed. We're obeying the first commandment of the Lord. They'll say, how does that give me confidence in relationship with the Lord? I'm acting in faith and believing. The second part we understand about that is God supernaturally cleanses our conscience. And that is the key to our confidence before God. The verse I just read in a different translation in 1 Peter. The waters of baptism do that for you, not by washing away dirt from your skin, but by presenting you through Jesus' resurrection before God with a clear conscience. Have you ever had a guilty conscience? Does it ever dominate your thinking? Oh, yeah. Does it make it almost impossible 
to do anything that, that you feel God wants you to do? Because what's it say? You're not good enough. Now, I want to take a moment, because I'm on the schedule. All the way back in Genesis 3, when Satan says, did God really say? Once man sinned, listen to the message of Satan. Immediately, you're defective. That was the message immediately. You're defective. How do we know that was his message? Because now a husband and wife are talking to each other. And how do we know that was the message you're defective? Because they were hiding from God. How do we know they thought they were defective? We need leaves. What was that? Shame came in. Shame had never been there before. They didn't understand it. I couldn't tell a joke about it. I went and bought a shirt yesterday to wear in the pool today because I'm kind of ashamed that I have a belly. You'll <laughs> all be thinking, he's wearing a shirt to cover his belly. Amen. <laughs> Some of you will be saved because I did that. <laughs> oh, also, I have to stay out of the sun. I have a propensity to skin cancer. Um, but the clean conscience, listen to this, keeps the adversary from constantly condemning us. Friends, if you don't recognize what Romans 8 says, there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ. No None. You've been hearing a voice since Genesis 3 that says, you're defective. And when you hear God say, I want you to do this, you hear this voice says, don't you try that because you're defective. How dare you, Mark, get up and try to speak to a church and lead a church because I know about you. But because our conscience is clear before God, we can stand before him. And when he says to us, Mark, I want you to do this, I can say, I will. Because your power will enable me. Yes, I was defective. But now the scripture says that I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm not condemned. I have now been, the condemnation has been replaced with righteousness. A big word for right standing. Revelation said, Then I heard a triumphant voice in heaven proclaiming, Now salvation and power are set in place in the kingdom reign of our God, and the ruling authority of his anointed one, that's Jesus, are established. Listen to this. Oh, this is great. For the accuser of our brothers, you know who that is? Yes. Uh -huh. Satan. Who relentlessly accused them day and night before God has been defeated. Passed out once for all. I want you to get something. I'm telling you. 
Griffin's our nine-year-old grandson. He and I have this relationship. <laughs> and uh, we were talking this week, and I said, hey, you want to go to dinner? Where would you want to go to dinner? And he said, oh, I'm going to here. I said, are you going to buy my dinner? Are you going to take me to dinner? And he said, I don't have any money. And I looked at him and I said, yes, you do. He said, no, I don't, Poppy. I said, yes, you do. What do you mean, Poppy? Because everything I have is yours. You will always have something. If I have something, you will have something. He didn't get it. So we went through this whole thing again. I said, don't you get it? Everything I have is yours. So yesterday we're in the pool, we're playing for a couple hours, and he's, I said, Reckon, you want to do this? Yeah. And he goes, and we can do it, and I can pay, because everything that you have <laughs> is one of them. And I said to him, you know, Nani and I believe this so much, we signed a paper. Now, he's not first in line, but he is in line. Yeah. <laughs> he is in line for everything that's ours. It's yeah. his. I want you to see the picture. You're saying, I can't do that. My bank account's empty, and I'm not, I'm not talking about money right now, please. I'm not talking about money. I have nothing. And Jesus is saying, everything that I have is yours. Everything that had been stolen, I restored. Not for me, but for you. Everything I have is yours. And if we believe the scripture, it tells us that he signed that deed. We signed ours with ink. The scripture says he signed his with his blood. What did we say about a covenant? A covenant is always cut. There's always a shedding of blood. Jesus made a covenant with all of us that says everything that I have restored is yours. So today when we go and experience water baptism, we're acknowledging we need to die to ourselves and we need to, to live to Christ and he transforms our life, gives us a new heart and everything that he has is mine. Glory be to God. Thank you, dear. We believe that baptism by immersion in water is an outward sign of what happened inside. We believe in commemorating the Lord's Supper as a remembrance of what Jesus did on the cross. On the back of your program, I think I put that there this week, didn't I? Why are we baptized? Or why be baptized? And the significance. And I've already been baptized. I addressed this last week. Some of us were baptized as infants or very young children, perhaps a number of years ago, and we walked away from the Lord. There's nothing in the book that says you can't be baptized.
cash again, but there's nothing that says you have to. That good? How do I know some people were baptized more than once? Well, let's see. Some of Jesus' disciples followed John the Baptist first. If you were going to follow John the Baptist and you were a follower or a disciple of John the Baptist, Baptist, you were being baptized. That's what you did. You, you would be kind of a follower if you didn't do that. It's up to you. So here's the deal. We're going to dismiss in a moment. We got a map. If you need to go home, go home. If you say, I didn't get any food, show up. We'll pray over it, multiply it. Hopefully it'll be just, you know, kind of like the feeding of the 5,000. Yep. Uh, and if not, we can go to Carl's afterwards. It's funny right there. Yeah. Right. But please come and join us. If you've already been baptized, come today to support those. I think there are six or seven. And you may say, you know what? I, I listened to the pastor today. I want to be baptized. Fine, show up. Bring something. You can either be baptized in what you're in and just go home and grab something or garbage sack or something that you can <laughs> go home in dry. That was a joke. Yeah. <laughs> Air dry. Yeah. Pretty warm. But we'd love to have you. Do it in an act of obedience of faith. So, Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the miracle of our lives being transformed. And thank you for giving us the opportunity to follow you in obedience, to recognize your work, and acknowledging that everything that you have is ours. We'll thank you for it. Amen. 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 God bless you. See you in a little bit or next week.